Guys, I am I'm so excited for today. I really want to impress Daniel. He is great. He is Austrian. What? I mean, Austrians, the great Austrians, Franz Ferdinand. He wasn't a duke. He was a freaking archduke. Am I right? Uh, so let's just let's let's uh, be on our best behavior. And you are right. Have a good podcast. OK, I can't wait to do my accent. Do Austrians say mate? Uh, no, that's Australians. Uh Wait. Sometimes are... New Zealanders. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Chris, Chris, name other famous Austrians. Schwarzenegger? Uh, Christoph Ar- Waltz. <laughs> he took the only one. Uh, what? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, the man who should have been president, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Johannes Brahms. Um, Mozart, of course. Schubert. <laughs> I mean, really, most of the great uh, musicians. Uh, but, yeah. It seems like you know more Austrians than Daniel does. Which is odd. He probably knows more Australians as well. Am I confused? Because what I'm—I'm he- I'm not hearing an Austrian accent. This... No, you're, you're not, mate. Mate. Oh, That—that's why Ryan thought you were English. Okay, because Ryan listened to your podcast and he thought you were English, but I assumed it. Okay, so you're Australian, but did you not say red velvet all the time on the podcast? Is that <laughs> not the not the podcast you're listening to? Red velvet. Revealed so, okay. it. So Australia, uh, home of Andrew Bogut, Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, it's actually Sharon? not bad. It's not, Bill it's not Simmons' bad, son is from Australia. Uh, is that who? Is that who Ben Simmons' dad is? Sure. He, uh, Bill Simmons' son is also named Ben, but he's twelve and white and doesn't play <laughs> for the Seventy Sixers. Okay. Is he left-handed? If I knew that, then probably. There would be an investigation into why I know so much about a twelve-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel, you, you told us earlier. No comment. You don't, you don't really care about sports. I I don't look. I'm not one of those academics who's going to get mad on Twitter saying, "Ooh, sports ball." Ooh, you defend. No, I don't care. Like, if it makes you, I'm happy. Sport makes you happy. So, I'm happy to watch football with my in-laws and stuff, but I don't follow it. Um, it's not really my cup of tea. So the ashes the, doesn't mean anything to you. You don't care. It means that people on my Facebook are either going to be very mad or very happy. Like, okay. What is the ashes? Is that something with the All Blacks? It's when England and Australia go up against one another annually for this little tiny trophy called the ashes. Um, I believe Go up against each other in what? Cricket, cricket. Yeah, I should have said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the ashes of someone famous is inside this little thing. It could what? be a king Gross. or queen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's I'm that's probably, this. That's you probably get the not. remains of our king. <laughs> yeah, we we do the same thing. There there are testicles inside the Super Bowl from guys from the first Super Bowl. Well, is that where Brady's Vince going Lombardi. next? To it? Right. Yeah. Party, Brady's right? head. The next, the, when Brady dies, the Super Bowl trophy is just going to be his head, his, <laughs> his skull. I remember cr- my dad used to watch cricket and he would watch the Ashes annually. And he would, cricket is the type of game you lay down on the couch with a beer, you drink that beer, you fall asleep, wake up to check the score. It's still and going you go, on. You go, you go back to sleep again. So that that is the type of game cricket was. Uh, and does that beer have to be Foster's? 
No, uh, no one actually drinks Fosters in Australia. It's a marketing <laughs> scheme which we use to trick um, ignorant Yanks. Um, by the way, everyone in America is a Yank, so I know that. Like, whenever whenever right. an Australian calls a Southerner a Yank, it like triggers them something stupid. <laughs> but like, um, everyone in America is a Yank to an Australian. My dad was more of a Carlton man or a Four X man. Uh, I I quite like uh, <laughs> Carlton as well. Crownies, crownies are very nice. Can you get like these beverages you buy by the forty ounce? <laughs> so okay, would you like some Australian beer knowledge? Sure, please. So, a uh, six pack, preferably something that we can buy something here. That well, we can you buy can't. Here. It's translate. I'm giving you some translation. Okay. So right. a six pack in Australia is called a brick. So like, hey mate, can you get me a brick? <laughs> What what do you what do you call? You should cra- you should go to downtown. You should go to downtown Kansas City and ask for a brick, and just see what happens. <laughs> you should go oh, to Antifa and ask for a brick. Uh, what's uh, what do you a ca- is a case of beer? That's like a twenty four. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we would call that a slab. So if you want like a pot, like we call that a slab of beer. And if you have three large bottles, like a a, a three pack, being cricket having three wickets, we call those, uh, you know, wickets. So get me some wickets. It means give me a free pack of beer. Fun fact. So I, I wait, asked, wait, for, Ryan, a, I asked for a slab and four bricks and I bought a house. <laughs> so. It's got to do with the, so yeah, uh, construction workers um, are called brickies. Uh, electricians are called sparkies. Um, you know, all that, all that. Yeah. It we sounds abbreviate very everything. problematic. We abbreviate everything in Australia. Nice. So, so construction workers are brickies because they just drink six packs all day while while they work. They do right. have that reputation, but what's okay. really interesting is if you talk to Australia, there's a very fetishized version of Australian laborers because of the short shorts they wear and the boots. Um, and there is like, there's always like sexy calendars of Australian construction workers. And when I tell this to American women, they never understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, in, the, in the US, this would be a calendar of firemen, right? Yes. Yeah, it's 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 very similar to that. It's that kind of vein. And women in America actually don't like being harassed by construction workers. Is that men yell <laughs> from construction sites at women? And, and there, so many so many comedians in the nineties <laughs> did a bit based on that. I've never actually witnessed it, but alleged based on the the stand up comics I've watched, that's a thing. How many how many glasses of scotch have you had? This is number two. Oh, that's not enough. You're fine. Uh, okay. Could I get a countdown, Chris? Absolutely. Six, five, four, three, two. Wakanda forever. One. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. Welcome to the SSEU podcast for a very special episode where we really go down under. We have a special guest for this episode, and I believe that he might be the first guest to have actually done some pre-advertising on Twitter for the show, which really is really pleasing. Uh, And he got a response from other people that share his terrible taste in movies. 
Uh, anyway, uh, I, am, uh, I am Thomas here with Chris and Ryan. As usual, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sseupod and also on Twitter at sseupodcast. If you have any complaints, concerns, suggestions for the show, tweet at JVLast on Twitter and he might or might not get those to us. He says he's done with uh, Twitter again. Again. So again, in six months. In again? six months. Again, he's done. So in six months, you can tweet it at him, and he'll be back. I mean, I still, I still have the password and everything, so I can. That's true. I can go in and tweet again. You'll get the complaints. Uh, our guest today is uh, Daniel Gulotta. 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 Very good. Very good. Okay, and is that Italian? It is Sicilian. So you are a Sicilian Italian from Australia, doing your PhD at the West Coast at Stanford, but currently living. In Spring Hill, Kansas. Yes, and I'm an American citizen. You okay. are the melting pot, sir. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> Does this mean that you have a favorite episode of The Sopranos? So, funnily enough, I don't. I couldn't tell you one off the top of my head. I do love the episode where um, the the Jewish marriage one, where they get they have to like try and break up. I think it's in season one or season two where they try and break up this uh, this marriage arrangement, and it just doesn't doesn't go to plan whatsoever but that also could be my religious studies bias coming out uh, okay be- because we have he's been a, a guest on the show uh steven his favorite episode is the one where the italians find out that they're going to cancel the the columbus day parade and they are mad as hell about it and that's that's probably his his favorite scene. but he is very italian my favorite so. episode is the one where the guy walks into the diner and kills tony and his whole family but they don't show it oh <laughs> okay I will say that one of the things I noticed when I did uh, some research here is that you have incredible hair. Like you would have been the third person on the Romney Ryan ticket for president in 2012. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, It's, it's a blessing and a curse. It gets very thick very quickly and is unbearable in summer, but it is incredibly luscious. So compared to my balding colleagues, it's fantastic. Chris will appreciate this. Is it correct that you started and uh, going to an Anglican seminary? Yes, yes, I was going to be an Anglican priest. Uh, and not they... anymore. Uh, why no, would I no. like that, Thomas? Why would I like that? <laughs> why would he like? Why would you? Why would Chris like that he switched from being Anglican to Catholic? <laughs> well, there's a big story in the middle there that might bore listeners, but I went from Anglican to atheist to seeking to Matsosezi getting me to go back to church and now I'm Catholic. So you're essentially a Sora Bamari. Uh, no, I, I'm not an integralist. Uh, okay, but you are doing your PhD at Stanford in uh, religious history, is that? American religious right? history, yes. Uh, so and you have- you'll be a doctor soon. Yeah, I'll be able. I'll be the most. I will be the most qualified person flipping burgers. Yes, great. So we, I can send like half my poop to you and half my poop to Thomas. Then, once <laughs> yes. you're both doctors, I, as my father would say, my my son's going to be one of those fancy fake doctors, and he said that with like the utmost like earnest love and respect. Like, <laughs> and you host a podcast called The Age of Jackson. Age of Jackson podcast, yes, sir. Um, which and... question? How old is Jackson? Uh, what What do you mean, like Jackson himself? You stole my joke. 
I'm very concerned where this is going. He just had his birthday. He was born on the Ides of March. So he's 200. How old is Jackson? No. I thought the episode, I thought the podcast is you just go through every year, every Jackson's birthday, what he did for his birthday every year. And then you you go all the way through through his current age. (laughs) Not quite. But no, Jackson was born on the Ides of March. Um, Fun fact. So it's not a counting podcast. No, it's not that's, an accounting. That's podcast. disappointing. How, how do you feel about the movie uh, Ides of March? Uh it's fine. Um, it's it's got that slick Aaron Sorkicky ripoff kind of feel to it. Um, Aaron Sorkin did not write that movie. No, do not hence, blame him. Hence my off. term. Hence my term hmm. ripoff. Asshole. Okay. Um, have you seen Have you seen the George Clooney <laughs> emails uh, that came out in the Sony hack about that movie? That's my no. favorite thing. Where he no. says he's like emailing Sony and say and apologizing for how bad it is and saying like I'm sorry, it's a piece of shit, but let's just let's just hope we hope we can make our money back. <laughs> it, it came out that interesting time, like before House of Cards, where there was this kind mm-hmm. of oh we've made Republicans look like Satan too long, so we have to kind of be, you know, we have to you know Democrats are evil too. Exactly. Like question mark dot 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 like right. it's Republicans are still Satan. Don't get us yeah. wrong. Republicans are still Satan, but some Democrats are also Satan. Well, it's well, it's got that that line Maybe. from um, Paul Giamatti where it's like you know you know why the donkeys lose because they refuse to get in the mud with the elephants. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. that like which is again that kind of like oh like Democrats win because we're too good like that. Paul Giamatti of, had no idea the movie yeah. that he was in. No, I had no idea about these. I had no idea about these. I haven't seen. I fun fact: I saw that movie on a date years ago. So did I. My my wife and I were already married and dating. Oh, same time. They broke up just like a date. (laughs) So we saw that movie because Ryan Gosling was in it. Mm -hmm. Um, because we'd already seen Drive. That Ryan Gosling sure makes you turgid. (laughs) He does make me turgid. I think so. When did that movie come out? Because we were in our early twenties, I think, when we saw that, and we liked it at the time. And then we rewatched like it. 2010, and I think we were like, 2011, right around there, 2012. You said it came after Drive. Didn't didn't we just agree? 2011. Okay. Okay. Yikes. I guess that was 29. Best adapted screenplay. There you go. <laughs> that has to be a joke. It's a, it uh, no, nominated but didn't win. Well, I mean, uh, but- across the movie alley, they pointed out that that uh the borat movie got best adapted screenplay wow yeah God, don't, even, don't even get me started about like a movie this... a movie that is 50 percent or 75 percent improv is best screenplay so mm. uh, good job academy for always getting it right curb your enthusiasm <laughs> won uh best adapted screenplay at the emmys but, so where in australia are you from uh i i hail from the state of queensland and um i spent most of my my upbringing sunshine coast brisbane so i grew up as a kid on the sunshine coast um and then uh i i did my college years and my job my early jobs at uh Br- the capital city brisbane can you guess what, I, I, what, I basically grew up in the florida of australia Ooh. kind of retirement of, villagey yeah oh okay yeah. that's what you mean okay and yeah the, that's what i mean the villagers okay. so be, so when, when i when i was a kid the sunshine coast was the place that people went to retire, but then 
all these families started moving in. So they started building schools and shopping centers. So it's become a lot younger. And in the process, it's become a lot, a lot more expensive. I mean, Australia is incredibly expensive, but. Is that because Australia is far from civilization or? That's a part of it. It's also our incredibly big taxes, like huge taxes. I wouldn't, wouldn't know what that's like. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so so are there are there any similarities between where you grew up and kansas rural kansas uh in a se- in in the sort of um laid backness the, a lot of the midwesterners do have a kind of australian chill where in australia we would say she'll be right like ah oh, she'll be right mate you know it's very much it's it's equivalent to what Americans mean by what happens will happen. It's kind of it's kind of like that. So a lot like of there there is a lot more of that I would say in the Midwest. How do you feel about roundabouts? What do you mean? Uh, roundabouts, traffic circles, roundabouts. Uh, this is infrastructure week, so please. Oh, um, how how close to roundabout do you live? Incredibly <laughs> indifferent. I, I I have oh. no I've no. I, does I does your part talk. of Kansas not have roundabouts? No, it's dirt roads. That's disappointing. Uh, moving on. So, Chris, I believe that you have questions for our guest. I do. I mean, you kind of stole my my one question, but I'll ask it anyway. We- Australia, <laughs> what's that like? Uh, expensive but beautiful. Okay. Uh, how does it feel to beat Bill Crystal to the SSEU podcast? He has been begging us literally for years to get on the show. We said, and we, we let no you so be a guest before him. That's got to feel pretty good. It's incredibly humbling, uh, but also incredibly gratifying. What do you think the last movie was that Bill Crystal actually watched? Oh. Titanic? <laughs> no, must be before no, that. Surely, Bill's hipper than that, surely. You don't think he's seen the Princess Switch movies? uh, Don't let Daniel answer. He has. He's his boss. He has to say that. He's not my boss. I'm just a. I'm just a. Bill Crystal is your boss. Don't. I mean, he he might be my neocon overlord, but he's not my boss. (laughs) Exactly. You you just meet every uh, every month when there's a full moon and a Sunday. Well, I assume that Bill Crystal sees. He probably goes to see every Whit Stillman movie, right? That's that seems like his. Okay, uh, I have a different question. So, can you tell us more about Harold Holt, Australian Chris, Prime Minister? Chris question time. Oh, yeah, I, I thought I, it was my turn, but go ahead. I don't follow Australian politics. So, Harold Holt was the Australian Prime Minister who, in the late 1960s, went for a swim. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, dis- yes, yes, yes. This is one of those beer trivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went for a swim yeah. in what? He disappears. Disappeared. There's a good, uh, there's actually a good like documentary. In, a, in the ocean or a pool? Uh, Wait, the did the girl with the dragon tattoo guy do <laughs> an investigation into this? Uh, there's a good documentary called in- The Prime Minister is Missing based on this. The Prime Minister is Missing. Right. Yeah, it was a big deal when it came out. But uh, yeah, that's one of the, like, look, I'll be completely frank. I don't know shit about Australian history or politics. I'm too busy focusing on yours because it's much more interesting. But Did they look in all the kangaroo pouches? because i bet he's hiding in one of them well you know crocodiles and turtles and snakes it could be anywhere this is this is the cast for the prime minister is missing is normie Rowe, nicholas hope helen morse troy lewin davis and david callahan inside troy lewin davis inside troy lewin davis 
This is, I only ask this question because this is, this is my main Australia trivia that I have is that Harold Holt is the prime minister that went, went missing. Uh, Chris, feel free. Go on with I your I could tell you about John Quincy Adams swimming naked, um, but you know, that's, that's, did that's. He, that's did, he, uh, did he disappear for a while? No, but he did, he did go swimming, you know, naked. But that, that's how's like that accomplished? Bit. Like part of them disappeared for a while. <laughs> Daniel. Rank the Australians for us, not actors, just like all Australians. And follow-up question: Why is Margot Robbie number one? Uh, uh, talent, obviously. Okay, so so how about a top five with Margot Robbie as one? Who five to one? Rank the Australian Australian, Australian actors? Um, no, anyone, all any, Australians, all Australians. Oh God! Um, yeah, throw yourself in there. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, Margot Robbie, number one, apparently. Uh, okay, number two, the band Powderfinger. Uh, great. That's Aus- not a Aussie. person. That's, that's a band. It's a band. It's, it's fine. We'll, we'll okay. count that. We'll count yeah, that. it's people. This, uh, this is our people. Number three, uh, Steve Irwin, obviously. Rest in peace. Oh. Uh, number four would The probably- Stingray who killed Steve Irwin. <laughs> I kind of no, like my naturalist uh, to not die via stabbing. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Um, I see what you did there. Well, th- 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 um, thank you. Uh, number four, just to piss off the New Zealanders, Sam Neill. Um, okay. <laughs> um, we have a bad habit or a good habit of like taking New Zealanders when they're like children and basically saying like, ignore the fact they were born in New Zealand and say that they're Australian. So okay. we had that with okay. Russell Crowe, Sam Neill. Like we basically. I'm on board with that. The, yeah. the, um, the, um, Who's Steven duo, Adams? Chris? He's he's Australian, right? Who am I thinking of? That uh, duo who tells jokes and plays guitars. Uh, uh, oh, Flight of the Concords. Um, Flight, Flight of the Concords. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's there, a funny show. There are some great Australians, man. Wait, <laughs> did you get to number five? He's with Taiko Atiti. He's a great Australian. <laughs> and probably hmm. <laughs> say Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. <laughs> great actor. Take credit for him. Take credit for him. Sure. Yeah, from Mel, I guess. I don't like take it. responsibility for him. Question: What about Thor? Oh, the uh, you know, it's it's a bit. Uh, he's more wait, of a top, he's more of a Liam Hemsworth guy. The number one Hemsworth doesn't make the the number one Chris doesn't make the top five Australian list. I mean, probably he's probably in the top five working now or something, but. I'll be honest, like, I haven't oh, seen a lot of range from Mr. Hemsworth. Like, I, like, he keeps what? doing, com- what is, I, he, he keeps oh, doing comedies just, and he's not funny. I'm like, he, I'm just, he's not funny. No, not that's re- ridiculous. Like, this show but, is over. This show yeah. is over. I'm, he's, I'm muting him now. End, end, end this, end the, end the zoom, end the zoom. Chris Hemsworth isn't funny. Uh, okay. Tell me, tell me who the funny Australians are that, Chris Hemsworth doesn't cata- uh, make the list as funny. Chris Hemsworth is a funny American, let alone Australian. Oh my! He's gosh. funny enough to be a funny American. I, I he is. Yeah. I, I am he sick to my stomach. If I have to leave, it's because I have to throw up. I don't. I think his humor is kind of forced, to be honest. Like it's, yeah. I, I, I can feel like the dislike. <laughs> okay, now you're just trolling. You know what you were doing. You were, you. You you are judging him for being hot. That's what you're doing. No, that's what, it's the jealousy. That must be it. 
Okay, I... Birch would have been in one of these construction worker calendars. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so I, I have one more question. So I'm, I was kind of disappointed to find out that you were uh, Sicilian because my question has to do. Uh, my understanding is Australia was that's kind of found, racist. Was founded as a as a. Uh, <laughs> Chris a, always says that to Italians and me. <laughs> every time I found out someone's Italian, I tell them how disappointed in them and their parents I am. No, I'm disappointed because of this. My understanding is Australia. Was Were you founded- on the application committee for Harvard? Jeez, let's just. <laughs> My understanding is Australia was founded as a prison colony. It's I'm true. Just, I'm just. I have curious. ancestors. Okay, that's my question. Are you mm-hmm. able to find out the crime that your yeah, ancestors yeah. committed? Like, is that is that part of like who the identity of being an Australian is? Like, yep, I'm a rapist. Well, I mean, like, I'm in a family <laughs> of rapists, but uh, you know, it's no. Uh, so on my mo- on my mother's, it is a. Fi- it's kind of like sons and daughters of the American Revolution. It okay. is one of the, it is one of those things where people are legitimately like I was oh, an originally. Did- I was an original peeping tom. Yep. My great, 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 great. <laughs> so my on my mother's side, my ancestor was was imprisoned. I believe for for theft. What kind of, what kind of pervert was he? Okay, just uh, a theft. He, okay, he, yeah, it was theft. Um, I believe he stole livestock. <laughs> <laughs> also, wasn't bright. I mean, like it's kind of hard to get away with livestock. Am I right? No, uh, but there's like, a what's great that getaway Australian, like. If you're interested in Australian wine, check out an Australian wine that pays homage to. Uh, the prison colony, is 19 crimes, Gorman? 19 oh, crimes. Okay, yeah. It's very good. It's very good. Everyone knows 19 crimes. Don't drink the Snoop Dogg one. The Snoop Dogg one is not good. And 19 crimes didn't for a while. They have this thing where with, with a phone app, like if you hold up your camera to the 19 crimes bottle, it would like show you something on the label that, okay. That, you know, okay. Never mind. I don't, rem- I don't remember exactly what it was. So I'll just shut up. Uh, I will say that I really like Shiraz from McLaren Vale. Nice. Uh, I think nice. Actually, as you should. Really, as you really should. Quite good. Uh, wait, were you done with all of the convicts in your family? Yeah. <laughs> what other perverts <laughs> are there? Uh, I Theft of honest, livestock. Okay. Honestly, I don't know. My father's side, they came to Australia after the war. Um, once Sicily, Sicily backs the wrong horse, um, and that doesn't go well. Uh, so they, they after the war, they and there's like no jobs in Italy. So they, um, like, but my great grandfather, fun fact, he, I, so, I discovered so he lived the, in Philadelphia. Fascists is what you're saying. You know what? I've only ever asked my grandfather about the war once in my life. <laughs> and, and he, interestingly, I know we're getting deadly serious for a po- for this, you know, level of podcasting, but he basically said to me, like, look, everyone was a fascist or a communist or an anarchist like that. Those were your choices. Like it was very, very, and I think he was like 17 at the time. So, so, uh, so they're, they're he, the fascists that weren't the victorious fascists. Yeah. No, not, they weren't, no, but he, he, uh, that's the American. So, so you right? haven't asked about the, the battle of Monte Cassino or anything like that. No, no. no. Um, the, my dad told me that he because he, he was a Naval on, on a Navy ship. Uh, he his ship was attacked three times and he nearly drowned and he didn't think he was going to make it uh, a few times. We got it way too serious for this level of. We, we only recognize battles that were in Band of Brothers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, transition. Different question. Faulty rules. Explain, please. Brisbane Lions. Brisbane Lions. Yeah, my team's the Brisbane Lions for the AFL. 
AFL, Aussie rules. Uh, it's basically you kick it, the it's ball. Rugby. Well, no, that's huh? different. That's a different sport. That's what? the that's the the that's the not pussy version of playing football, like the Americans do. I'm sorry, uh, rugby. Wait or a second. Aussie rules. The Aussie rules is different from rugby. Yeah, it's different. There's three because di- oh. there's NFL, there's NFL, AFL, and rugby. Three different sports. So what's hurling? Your guess is as good as mine. Sounds like a drinking activity. Hurling is played on the ice. All right, wait. In in Aussie <laughs> rules, in Aussie rules, the field is an oval. Yes, it's the an circle. oval. It's an oval. Yeah. This is starting to sound like boob ball. Thomas uh, was in a boob ball tournament <laughs> once. Several times, actually. Uh, all right. Uh, you take a question. right and then take a left and then back across the field and then. Do, do you remember Ryan how to run the bases in boob ball? No, but I know um, a game called horse balls in America. Uh, and no, it's not called. It's called ladder ball, but it looks like horse balls. Uh, in what way? Life. You've not seen ladder ball? Yeah, it's ladder a, ball. What do horse balls look like? Party game. It's a bad a backyard game where ladder there's golf. like two okay, balls yeah. at the end of a string about two and a half feet long. The rubber balls, yeah. And then there's a ladder, and yeah. you throw the balls and try to hit them on the ladder. Um, at one picnic when I was in Indiana, my so my cousins told their mom to call Home Depot and other sporting goods stores and ask for horse balls. She did. She asked if they had horse balls. <laughs> they were like, what? She's like, horse balls. It's a game. Anyway, she eventually figured out that they meant that they were tricking her and it was ladder ball. And so we went to some family event in Indiana um, after I was married to Rose. My dad was playing and Rose was my wife Rose was walking probably 20 feet behind the ladder ball the, the like the, the like the ladder where you try to throw the balls and hit them on the ladder my dad is throwing Rose is walking I'm serious 20 feet behind he misses so badly he hits her in the back <laughs> with both balls <laughs> He, Must he be love. Misses. And she, <laughs> uh, like, it, the bruises were so bad. And I was just like, what the? F-? I looked at my dad. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he missed it so far. Like, I was like, you seriously had to be trying to hit her with them. But anyway, that's my ladder ball story. Okay. I have a last question uh, here. It's your third could last you, question, sure. <laughs> could you? rank the u.s presidents just like give us a top four uh num- okay number four uh probably jeez mm, probably i okay number one is lincoln that's easy no number no two, no you have to go okay. no you're not sunny bunch you have to go from four to one <laughs> it's harder doing sunny four bunch, to one sunny doesn't understand how rankings work and he always okay. wants to start with number one well it's harder okay four should, should we take a break so you can write it down would that help it, well, he okay, can, so four. He can do off, this at speak, the end. Speaking off the cuff, so four Reagan, three probably uh, Roosevelt, two um, would be two would be Washington, one would be Lincoln. Boom. And which Roosevelt Jackson didn't make the top four. No, I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> which one had the biggest dawn? Isn't it Lyndon Johnson? As far as we know, is it? Do do we have research on this? Uh, Wait a second. I believe, I'm gonna have to look be- this up. I'm pretty sure that's been. I don't know. Who's, I, from what I've an heard, Australian should not know 
who has the biggest U.S. president dog? According to uh, my favorite novelist, uh, James Elroy, JFK was hung like a cashew, in his words. That's not very big. Like cashews uh, are small. Uh, no. Yes. Okay, apparently. okay. My understanding, right, I'm Daniel. I'm looking at a story here. Linda B. Johnson was obsessed with his dick, and he yeah, wanted yeah. everyone to see it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I believe this is he what He did I've have heard. a big dick, and he tried to show it to everybody. <laughs> exactly. I've heard... He was like, this is what makes you a good president. Go to, co- go to college, kids. You can learn great facts about presidents. Like Imagine if he would have been president in the social media era. It would have been oh, great. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, do you remember how much trouble Brett Favre got in for, you know, do you remember that? Anthony, Anthony no, Weiner? No. Didn't he send a picture of his genitalia Vandy to Fair, Vandy Fair today points out an ex- an excerpt from a forthcoming history of the White House called The Residence inside the private. I have this is on my list to read. The section of the book about Johnson includes an anecdote about the presidential shower. According to Brower, it was very important. Yeah, he showers without the curtains or something, and he would talk to people that a newly show. installed jet stream be blasted, be blasting water directly at Johnson's dick. Is that where the term Big Johnson comes from? That's quite possible. I, I don't I, think so. I have <laughs> always said that this is an educational podcast. We're about learning. <laughs> okay, so so Daniel, uh, is he told me he was ABD, which yes. my understanding stands for all big dick, which is why he knows <laughs> this stuff. So I, I actually have a question uh, and a headline here. I was reading the story <laughs> about Bryson uh, DeChambeau. Is that how you say his name? And um, yes. in fact, Rory McElroy was complaining that he has envy about, about his dick. He has Rory is envy about Bryson's length. <laughs> and in fact, Rory has adjusted his game to be longer and uh, feels like it has in fact ruined his game because he has tried to be long like Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I wonder if our, our ABD scholar here would, would comment on this. this those pumps can really fuck you up. Well, look, far from me to speak to the expertise of not my field. Um, so I, I would gladly pass it to a colleague of mine who was more knowledgeable um, in this uh, this uh, field of studies. Okay. Being long in this case, Chris, actually refers to being long off the tee with your drive, which R- Bryson DeChambeau uh, has been hitting the gym a lot and he's been building a lot of muscle. Hey, he's and so- country strong. Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau is just a big boy. Yeah, he's, he's like a linebacker decided to play and he, football. And you're golf. saying Rory tried to match his drive, like his length on his drive, and that's kind of messing with his swing. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, Thomas, I guess you must be ABD as well. Um, congrats. Been there, been there, done that. Ryan, I believe that you have something to show us today. Shaq, Shaq doesn't go. know the general. He doesn't. He doesn't go to the general. That's not where he gets his insurance. That's the kind of. That's the kind of shit that this man's talking about when when he's on uh, behind your back. And I thought, as a friend to you, I would tell you what this man is saying. Now, first of all, icy hot. Put your uh, thing on mute, Miss Miss Movison. Yeah, just cover your ears. Off. Just cover your. And trust yeah, me, she's heard it all. She was in the okay. Navy for up to about a year. Okay, ago. got it. Okay, yeah. so don't worry about it. Yeah, we <laughs> always, always used to see icy hot in the locker room, and one day I kind of had like a thigh bruise, and the guy rubbed it, but he rubbed it too high. So during the game, my my little guys start getting hot, <laughs> like really hot. Like I thought something was wrong, 
And it got to the point where I was like, hey, man, I'm, I think I need to go to, I, I need a doctor. Like, you know, my, my little guys are on fire. So he said, like, oh, I think I put the icy hot too high. God. So then he said, all right, you don't have to play the rest of the game. So now I take a shower. Boy, I thought I was in hell. It gets it worse, so right? It gets, it gets worse. Really, yes, it gets worse. So then I'm in there screaming, ah, and there was a Spanish janitor in there. And he said, uh, compadre, you got to use milk. I'm like, what? So you got to use milk. I said, what, what, what are you talking about? He said, uh, capsation is hot pepper. So we Spanish people, when we eat hot pepper, the milk calms it down. Yes. So I said, okay. I gave him some money. Let's go to the thing of milk. So now I'm in the shower pouring milk on my boys and the guys coming in, they're looking at me like, what the, what the hell are you doing? But the milk actually worked. So then when I meet with Icy Hot, I was like, you know what? It's hot. You guys, this company works. I'm, I'm, I'm so, but, wait, a minute. Like, wait a minute. That is your testimonial for Icy Hot? Yes, it is. It, is that, uh, it yes. set your testicles on fire? Yes, it did. <laughs> I realized we didn't actually give a, an explanation or a lead up. We just dropped that in the episode. <laughs> Shaquille, well, he, talking, he, about, he, yeah. talking about Icy Hot, who he's a spokesman for. And Barkley was saying something about how he doesn't use us products and track and Shaq says, well, this is a true story. All right. Number one, he says Spanish. Yes. <laughs> the guy's from Mexico. Obviously, <laughs> he's not from Spain. <laughs> Two. Shaq gives him some money and he goes buy some milk. <laughs> Where did he go? And Shaq was in the shower the whole time. <laughs> Ryan, you don't you don't bring your money in the shower with you. No, I mean, I don't. But apparently Shaq has dollars somewhere in in the shower with him. So he gives the Spanish janitor <laughs> this this janitor who's immigrated from Spain. <laughs> he gives him some money and tells him to go buy milk. I and love his the Mexican gets, accent. It's awesome. <laughs> when the like man Shaq gets is- back, when the man gets back, Shaq is still in the shower. Where did he go? Like, did he go? Where did he go? Where did he go to find milk? And, and 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 so when he gets back, Shaq is in the shower. He gives him the milk, and that's when Shaq pours milk on his boys <laughs> to soothe to soothe the burning from the icy hot. And so, but, Ryan, who that, among that, us? Who among right. us has not had to give a janitor cash money to get milk to pour on our boys? A Spanish janitor. We find a Spanish janitor. We give them money and tell them to go buy milk so that we can pour milk on Just our boys. Splash, <laughs> splash the milk all over your penis. So, you know, this Shaq actually does use Icy Hot because of that story. He's not just a fake. He's not just doing a fake commercial. He, he's really paid a Spanish janitor to go buy since this is a an audio and not a visual medium, I just want our listeners to know that Daniel is not regretting at all coming on this show. <laughs> I have that look of like regretting, like th- watching my life flash before my eyes. You know? He is laughing. He is enjoying just, himself. He is the Stanley Kubrick ten thousand yard scare. JVL's not going to punish you for this, and he's the only. Well, that's listener. true. That's true. We we talked before the show about uh, cities or places in the U.S. that might be universally loved or maybe disliked. I think Shaq is essentially universally loved. By yes, everyone. definitely, definitely. He is a universally oh. loved city. Uh, transition. We should have time to actually talk about our movie of the week, which this time is well. I mean, we asked our guests to pick a movie, and it was between what Men in Tights and this. 
something like that. Yeah, so we we have asked previous guests like uh, Adam, for example, to pick a movie that is rated rotten on Rotten Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but that they actually like. And Mm -hmm. essentially, we ask them to uh, defend uh, the movie on the show. So, Daniel, uh, what what movie did you pick? Which Austrian movie did we have the pleasure of watching? So because uh, of a recent uh, fame of my good personal friend, Russell Crowe, for retweeting me after I commented on his watch in the movie uh, Unhinged. Um, oh, what? what He just retweeted? retweeted? Did he, did he, he comment? He, comment, he commented. He, it is the banner of my Twitter that I'm correct. So I'm just using that for everything now, that Daniel is correct. Um, so says Russell Crowe. Um, I thought, well, you know, being Australian, picking a Australian Russell Crowe, picking a Russell Crowe movie would be good. So I looked over his filmography and the film that jumped out to me immediately, because I remember back in 2010, film critics I liked were trashing on this movie and I saw it and I liked it. I've picked 2010's version of Robin Hood directed by the one and only Ridley Scott, reteaming with Russell Crowe. Can you remind the listeners what the budget for this movie was? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no fucking clue. Probably too much, and hence why we don't get a sequel. Okay, guess. Since like you're probably the only okay. one who didn't look this up, I want you to guess. A uh, hundred and twenty million. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> which which number do you have, Chris? Uh, I saw between I, 175 I, and 200 million. Is yeah. what I, I have okay. between 155 and 200 million. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. I was, I was thinking 2010. We hadn't quite got there yet, but you know. Um, oh, it Ridley, Ridley and there. Russell. Ridley and Russell could get whatever budget they want. True. That's true. I mean, it, it, the movie doesn't look cheap. I'll give it. The only thing that looks cheap is that Ram scene. That's like the only like cheap. I mean, I I would love to see that pitch meeting. Uh, Ridley Scott is there with who 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 did this? It's not so Warner. you've seen Fight Club? <laughs> yeah. No, he's like, okay. You know what hasn't been done? A movie about the Magna Carta. Here's the twist: he doesn't sign it. Yeah. Well, I was I was explaining this to my uh, father-in-law last night that that's always been like the awkward thing about the Robin Hood legend is that. King John is in traditional British kind of history, isn't that bad of a dude because he signs the Magna Carta. So like it's always been like the awkward thing in the Robin Hood story where he's a giant dick. Like wait, is is King John bad in this movie? Yeah, just <laughs> I thought are he you, you going to give like a defense of King John like oh, uh, Thomas Well, Thomas Well, he's banging Leia I do the whole Well, movie. there is there, there is like a latent Marxism to this movie that's kind of like cringy, but you know, like it's kind of Anne Cappy versus like, like an anarchist. Oh, I can't even pronounce I, it correctly. I can't believe that you have gone this long without mentioning that there is an actual Aussie in the cast. I said Russell Crowe. There is another Aussie in the cast. <laughs> oh, Kate Blanchett, beloved. You know what? She is fantastic in this movie, and she's her and Russell's chemistry is so good. And one of the things that always pissed me off about Robin Hood movies is that they make Maid Marian a princess when she isn't. She's it's in the name. She's a maid. Yeah, like, I don't know about their chemistry, but Kate Blanchett is the best thing in this movie. She's phenomenal in this movie. Although so, the so, beach the beach attack is kind of yeah, but you know. So, so can, we, can, we, 
Super lame. Um, question: Have any of you guys seen this movie before, or was this the first time for all of us? This is my I, third first time. Okay. I've never seen it before. So I, I saw it at the cinemas. I saw it on cable a couple of years ago, okay. and this is my third viewing. All right. Wasn't there one with uh, the kid that plays in the uh, that's in the um, the, Kingsman. the Kingsman movies? Yeah, that that was a giant flop, like giant, like huge money lit on fire yeah. flop. I've seen part of that. I hadn't seen this before. Colin Firth is, plays Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, Daniel, can can you give a, a big boy review of Robin Hood? So Ridley Scott and uh, Russell Crowe reteam for another uh, period epic. Uh, this time, rather than gladiators, we're focusing on knights and uh, archery and all that type of good medieval stuff. But plot twist. It's not the Robin Hood story you know and love. It's it's gritty and realistic because, you know, this is post-Dark Knight, so everything has to be gritty and, and real. You know, it's a, it's a Robin Hood origin story, basically. It's got, you know, it's got some really cool action. It's got great costumes and set. It's got an all-star cast. And what's great is the cast is made up of relative unknowns in many fa- in many factions that will become like big names. And uh, you know, it it look, it's got its problems. I will absolutely admit that it's got its problems, but this movie does not deserve to be rotten. Absolutely not. So the movie starts in France. It's like Richard has been a white King Richard the Lionhearted, uh, which is a huge waste of Danny Houston. Uh, he's in the movie. Agreed, agreed. For just like a few minutes and then dies. Um, just the way he dies. Like there's so many things in this movie that are weird. Like one of which is the opening siege. It's like the last castle. They're like, someone says, like they explain so many the things in the movie. Castle. They're like, okay, this is the last castle. Uh, they light the, the gate on fire and they're like, in three days, we'll be in England. Like, oh, we just need to defeat this last castle and we're going to be out of here. And yeah, they're, Rick, co- they're coming back from the Crusades. Coming back from the Crusades, acknowledging that, that it was kind of a debacle. They spent a lot of money. I feel like that's there in the exposition. And they actually breach the castle gates, which my understanding of medieval warfare is that that's like the most important thing. The, the knights are going into the French castle, at which point Richard somehow gets a decides to get an arrow through his throat which is really interesting because he decides to get an arrow through his throat what's interesting is like that's like the first sign that this isn't your your mom and dad's robin hood movie because in the disney version and all the other versions robin hood men in tights the prince of thieves and in the traditional story Richard the Lionheart is the day ex machina that comes right. at the very end. Right. So, yeah. right. The fact that he dies at the very beginning is like, oh, this is not Robin Hood as I, you know, a Russell Crowe isn't a fox, but still like it, it's. <laughs> and that's what was confusing. Kevin Costner which one was is, a great fox. Which one is Little John? Like there's no bear here. So many things happen. Like. Uh, Robin and Little John are fighting, and then Richard is talking about how excited, uh, how he's looking for an honest man, and then so he asks Robin to be honest with him, and then Robin is honest with him. At which point, Robin and Little John and the whole, his whole band of merry men are put in the stocks for the last the battle. Stocks. So he's a politician. Can't believe they're put. Robin. Robin was like. I'm so out of here as soon as I get out of these stocks and as soon as I turn 18. So he's so like, I'm out of here. Your major problem, Chris, is that a political military leader wanted the truth but 
didn't actually watch the truth. Is that like, is that, is that your quibble? Do I, did I say I had a problem? I'm just describing the plot. It's like very quickly, you know, these things happen. And during the end of the battle, Robin and little John and the rest are in stocks. Richard gets a, a, a th- uh, arrow through the throat. But Somehow, don't forget, they're a bunch of merry men. They're, 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 aren't we very a merry <laughs> bunch? <laughs> they're not uh, merry about being in the stocks. Not very merry. But even though the battle is essentially won, and this is the last battle, suddenly, even though the gates are breached, the death of Richard, like everybody, we just give up on that battle. We don't see anything else of that battle. Robin gets away, and they make for the coast. And, and so they do some dicking around with the crown. <laughs> no, but, but so here's the thing about the introduction and the, like the first 10, 15 minutes, whatever. I don't mind it. I think it's actually quite entertaining. Like that's, when, the, that's uh, part of the problem because the 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 beach battle at the end doesn't match the scale of how it opens. And what? once again, yeah. in the tradition, like, look, I like this movie, but I can still criticize it. The traditional Robin Hood story ends with them attacking London and all that jazz. So you get a castle battle at the end, but you, I think that's part of the problem is you don't get it with this movie. What but accent is Russell Crowe doing? What's that? What accent is Russell Crowe doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of British accent of some kind it's called unintelligible okay. uh if you watch this movie <laughs> without subtitles oh come you were on lost. Come so on. they this do some a, they do some they, see, they do some the, the king is dead they do some dicking around with the crown they kill robert Loxley, or they find robert Loxley dead uh, robin is like let's cosplay as knights and <laughs> time out let's not let's not skip where robin fires an arrow and it grazes Mark Strong's uh, cheek. So Mark that, Strong is so pissed. So Mark for, Strong for the, is such a good bad guy. He's for the always rest a bad of the guy. movie, he's got to look like an asshole. Like, <laughs> Except for in Zero Dark Thirty, Mark Mark Strong is always a bad guy. Yeah. Give me the context of 2010. What do you, is, is Mark Strong typecast as a villain at this point or is he becoming typecast? He's become because uh, I think he's becoming typecast because okay. he does zero dark thirty, but then after that he's always a bad guy. But right. he is already uh, in the Sherlock Holmes movie uh, a couple of years earlier. Yeah, he's already the bad that's guy. That's right. All right. He right, is. Right. He is already the bad guy in Sherlock Holmes. But, so, so Sherlock like Holmes rest, did this to him for the rest of the movie. Like he looks like a toddler who has just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> And has like smeared jelly all over his face, like like an asshole. Has this just like smear going back on his cheek, like he took a big bite of a sandwich, and he's just furious about this. So I just didn't want to skip that. Ryan, he's go, mad go about on. that. Oh no, I was just talking about the cosplaying. Uh, yeah. Robin says, "Let's cosplay as knights." Yeah, that's yeah. that's a line from the movie. Like, he what's the difference between a knight uh, and a regular person? It's it's the clothes. What just happened? And you'll quit the show. <laughs> they, but they do bury the men. They bury the guys who they ki- who they found dead. And then they're like, "Let's go return this sword." Yeah, and I mean, I think no, returning like, the sword is a good idea. So, so, so they get on the boat, and they totally the people on the boat totally buy their story that like we're knights. Uh, we found the king. The king is dead, and we're like. We are He's, these other people. They're just like you hey have man, the outfits. You social have the outfits, media doesn't so exist. It were it. Were, I, I actually think this. Like I don't see the problem here. Like, I think it, this it, would work too. I have no yeah. problem believing that I'm they would be like. I'm not criticizing well, you, Daniel. You're too sensitive. 
I'm just trying to move the story along. So, right. so they buy it and they party. The movie sucks later on. It's fine right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am merely describing what is happening. Okay, okay. So we get there. Okay. So they buy oh, no, 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 just, just, just chill. Okay. So, so they buy the story and they party hardy. And they're, but they're like before, and they're like, we just got to get off the boat right away. And they party. And when they wake up, they're already in London. What's really cool? I forget, we get a bond We have a bond It's a twelve-hour cruise, like like in the uh, you know. Of time. We've tons I'm of just time. saying, like like for Victor Mattis, we have to mention the Bond girl. Oh yeah, yes, that's sure. already passed. Yeah, Leia Saidu. She she's getting Oscar Isaac's having a great time in this movie. He's having so much fun playing the bad guy, and he's also with Leia Saidu. Right, the bad guy. His fucking wife is barren. There, there is no like prospect of ever having fun with her. He finds a French babe. I didn't think Why she was barren. I just thought she was British. Well, yeah, I mean, same he thing. says she's I don't, barren. I don't blame he says him. she's as barren as something. Right. I can't remember what he says, but she does. Do we ever see her? One yes. scene. One, yeah, one scene. Do she's outside like the thirty she's, seconds. She's outside the hallway, complex. She's like listening to her husband bang. Like, oh, okay, okay. She's like, why is my husband in there with Leah? I do. That's right. But they were arrive in London, and they did a really good job. Uh, I'm assuming it's CGI and not practical, because it would be a really expensive to like destroy London and build and plant a forest. Um, They CGI out everything but London Tower. You could still see the London Eye, but they they like the rest is CGI'd out. Their whole plan of like getting away before. Is totally foiled. So it's like, uh, I guess we have to um, uh, actually give the crown to the prince, at which Mark Strong is kind of in the background spying them. Um, he's and like, so like, these guys, I don't like these guys. And uh, William Hurt. Uh, and so then they go and they're like, I'm gonna, uh, Russell Crowe's like, I'm going to return this sword to the dad because I said I would. Or maybe I didn't say I would, but I'm going to because that's the right thing to do. Well, and it and is also the, after. The, right, so, so it is also after he has started to have visions about the inscription on the yeah. handle of the sword. Daniel, you there's something you going this? on there. There's something yes. going on there. Yeah. So this is the part of the movie I think is the weakest. But anyway, like the the sword hilt says, rise and rise and rise again until rise and rise again, and kind of lions be or become, until lands become lions. Become lions, yeah. And lions. it's basically like, oh, like Robin Hood doesn't know his past, and we're gonna like have it revealed. <laughs> like so. Anyway, so he has to like. Not only does he want to do the good thing, maybe like he'll have some of his questions answered. So they because the merry men, to- yeah, the merry men are like. What you're gonna take the sword back to the dead? Like yeah. why? Yeah. And he's like, he, he's like, good luck. If it isn't repaid, we'll turn into something bad or some bullshit like mm-hmm. that. And then he goes to the dad, and the dad's like, okay. He's like, what protects my son? What is my son using to protect himself right now? And he's like, your son's dead as shit. We buried him. Don't worry about it. We put a fake. We tied a couple sticks together and made a. A marker for his grave and the dad's like okay regale us with a story entertain me clown entertain me with the story of your life clown are you not and entertained he's like be my son have sex with marion in front of me <laughs> okay he's got, he's got a proposition well ryan must have seen the director's cut. and um, a decent that was proposal not- <laughs> 
He indecent proposed them. Uh, meanwhile, the merry men kind of go with them because they were robbed of all their like they were gonna split ways a while back, but they were robbed he, of yeah. the treasure by the by the kids, right? The forest sick kids. Well, it's it's first. Well, the no, kids, the king, then... the king. Then the king was like, "Oh, here, I'm gonna give you this." And he's like, "Robin of Robert of Loxley, like, uh, your father owes a shit ton of taxes, so your 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 treasure that I'm gonna give you." I'm going to keep because that's going to pay your father's no, taxes. But, but they're actually in the forest and they're divvying up the treasure and the kids well, the, come the and kids, rob them the and kids wake them steal up. It, but the, the kids steal it and then the tax. But ah, plot twist. The tax collectors are not actually Englishmen. They're actually Frenchmen. And this is a part of a, a plot by the French king to send like a decoy army first <laughs> right. to like to stir up trouble in the countryside to weaken the resolve of Britain so they can then take the country easily. Sure. So, but, but my point is they all end up in Nottingham. Um, yes. Robin takes up residence as and Robin there are no dudes. The merry men are very merry because there are no dudes. That's what I wanted to raise because I feel like, Thomas would agree with this because the one, one of the merry men looks at the other. It's the first night back in Nottingham and they're just like, where can we find the booze? Friar Tuck, where do we find the booze? So they're partying. There's ladies and one says to the other. Thomas, do you remember this? Uh, There are no men around. The secret of success is to what? Is to not go. The homely one. Yes. Is to not go for the pretty one. Yes. Yes. They, they Which is to the from the be- beautiful mind reference, maybe. Yeah, because it is in a beautiful mind. It, that's the strategy that he employs. It is. There, is there, I wonder is if this is like actually Russell Crowe's idea. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Crowe's like, listen, listen. I've like, and they, they just like humor him. They're like, yeah, he's told us a million times. We'll pretend like this is the first time. Listen, like, listen, guys, the secret. <laughs> I'll tell yeah, you, beautiful, the beautiful mind is 2001, and this is 2010. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. He's um, been saying it for nine years. <laughs> yeah. But this is also where we get some hilarious jokes, like Little John saying that, oh, he's proportionate. proportionate. <laughs> it's like, why do yeah. you call you, they call you Little John? And he just, yeah. But do you know why in the original, like in the traditional story, they call him Little John? He's hung like a cashew. Because he drinks from little cups. Oh, that yeah. was very unsatisfying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's British literature. It's often very unsatisfying. Okay, it's really hard to discuss this movie because, like, it's not complicated while you're watching it, but it would be a waste of time to be like, well, the, all the kids are sick and they live in the forest and they put on masks yeah. and they steal stuff. And it's like, we can't even get into that. But But they don't matter. Right. In and the, in the director's cut, there's even more. Like, there's so much more emphasis on the kids in the director's cut. Okay. Okay. So the major differences in the director's cut is a there's a lot more gore, like classic Ridley, Ridley Scott stuff. The big stuff is that you have parents talking about their kids in the forest. The 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 kids in the forest get up to more shenanigans. So because like it, it's basically trying to set up the end, you know the ending where they're in the forest and they're training the kids. They're trying to establish more of a relationship with Marion and Robin because the kids like we don't want you know we don't we we don't basically it's like we've got no patriotism like like we're all for ourselves and Russell Crowe mm-hmm. is more like no like you got to like look out for England kind of like. 
I've got to imagine there are training montages that have been cut because like Russell Crowe is like, I'm going to train you how to do these things. And then we jump to the end where like the, the kids are all like, as Ryan pointed out, like with like, they got fitted with armor and they show up on this beach to fight, you know, this now far, far to be from me to fat shame. I'm not that guy, but it was really jarring watching shirtless Russell Crowe in this after watching um, Loudest Voice in the Room, where he plays Roger Ailes, it's like quite the transformation. Indeed, it is. Where are we at in the movie? So, yeah, so Russell Crowe has started to protect. Wait, have to we be- done the bath scene yet? <laughs> where Russell Crowe is like, where. Uh, so the dad tells him, Loxley tells him, hey, you need to be my son. And then Russell Crowe's like, hey, and he's like, you stink. Take go, go take a bath. And then he's like trying to, he's like, uh, I need, I need help with the chain mail. She's like, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding Put me. the moves on so that. She, she helps him, Any evil she helps moves. him with the chain mail. And then, she, and then he's like, uh, I also need help with the balls and the scorch. <laughs> and do you, do you know why that made it into the movie, Ryan? So at the, like, so Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe were in, in a bar, make sure you stink really badly and then force the woman to say, you got to take a shower. And then you're like, I can't, I can't get undressed. I can't get this, I can't get this shirt. Now, Chris, off. Chris you're know. a man of the, you're a man of the cloth, right? Uh, indeed it, I am. Yeah. What did you make of the theology of Friar Tuck? He was an <sighs> alcoholic. That, 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 that was his theology. It was a good thing too, because when Russell Crowe tells him like, okay, look, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to tell anybody about your honey. And he's like, you better not tell anybody about my honey because I need to drink. So it was a he really said, good thing said, that he was an alcoholic. What did he say? Basically, if I weren't a priest, I, I would be a drunkard. Something like that. Like, yeah. But th- th- there's this, I was expecting like, you're like, oh, like bees create and God, cre-. there's like no theology. No, for, there's like, not. Right? Like, but that's the thing I always like find interesting about Friar Tuck in so many Robin Hood movies is like a theological. <laughs> but but he's like anti-theological. I, I, I don't know. Well, uh, I, and I, mean, I expected it, the bees that play a part. Did, right. did you not? They're like, oh, well, in the, dir- in the, the dir- I was like, bees. The director's cut, they use them against. Do you not see that in the theatrical cut? That no. Friar t- oh, so, in- so, so they- there's one scene where like people, like the problem with a lot of the action is it's such quick cuts and so close. Yes. You can't see yes. who is who and what's happening. But there's one scene where you see like people locked into a thing with bees. And I think it's the bad guys. But then yes. the rest of the that battle like the bad guys are locking other people inside of buildings and lighting them on fire and stuff. So it's, it's like, well, yeah, they saw the bees or the bad guys like tied together. And they were like, how far is it? And they said 11 miles. <laughs> yeah. He, he throws the beehive inside the church when the bad guys it's in the, the battle of Nottingham at okay. towards the end. Chris, uh, did you have anything to say about the Magna Carta or the charter of rights? That he ends up presenting to King John. I just don't understand why they chose to do it that way. So, like, a big twist in the movie is that, like, oh, Robin, Russell Crowe, your dad authored this great, like, actually, they never they never say uh, great charter. They're just like, this charter, this charter for all the barons to sign. Uh, and then he killed, and then he died. And so Robin, uh, Ryan, we'll get to you. Or go, go ahead, Ryan. He's like Ray. He he thinks he's from no just like a trash people, but actually his dad is like 
yeah, super noble. It's actually super like it, it, so like they just reinforce that trash people cannot become like something great. So good job, Ridley Scott. Thank you for reinforcing that. But I mean, they put a lot of emphasis into like this heritage of of Russell Crowe and this charter, and you think that this is going to happen, and 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 then uh, Oscar Isaac King John bands together with the Northern Barons for a little bit. He says, well, he says, I swear it on my mother's life. And I'm like, wait a second. He doesn't like his mom. <laughs> oh, he's lying. So I, it's funny because we were watching the director's cut last night when he says that everyone in my family is like, oh, shit, he doesn't like his mom. <laughs> um, and I was like, is there a scene of him killing his mom? Like, so he kind of like loopholes it. But no, there isn't a scene. It's only killing. his mom says that my son doesn't trust me. And my son, yeah, like, yeah. it says my son doesn't when the one dude comes to her and says, you have to, you know, tell him this. Well, in, in and, interviews, uh, Ridley Scott has said, like, in the sequel, he if he got to do one, he would have liked to have seen Robin <laughs> Hood sign the Magna Carta, which would have uh, been pretty fucking badass. But, you know, he like, thought he was yeah. going to do a sequel. No, I, well, so... <laughs> The, the whole Magna Carta shorter stuff where Walter Luxley shows it to Russell Crowe and then when Russell Crowe gives his speech, it, 100%, 10 out of 10, it's really cheesy. I yeah, also yeah. love it. I also love yeah, it. I, it, wor- it works. It to- like, it's, what's interesting is that it's like, it's like knockoff Braveheart, but as someone who shops at Walmart, it works. It totally works. I just Braveheart from now on is knock off Braveheart. <laughs> what it, what is Braveheart is knock off Braveheart. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, from now so on, Mel Gibson in, so it's full circle. To okay. Thomas, <laughs> you have Thomas, you've inspired me. I'm never gonna call this the Magna Carta again. Um, I just heard you call it a charter, and um it's it's gonna be a the great charter. The great charter. <laughs> it's on brand. Could you please defend the last 45 minutes of the movie and why I should even watch it because it feels oh, yeah. all incredibly predictable. It's not and like oh, very oh, exciting. Oh, you thought that that Marion would show up in armor and fight and initially be successful, but then totally be a lame like lady fighter. Like you're like, yeah. oh, like women are powerful. Oh, oh, Never it does mind. fall. It does fall into that unfortunate that bad trope of the late 2000s and the teens. This movie is incredibly predictable, partly because it's a Robin Hood movie. So there's that element. But you know what? Like the set pieces are nice. The action's enjoyable. You know, sometimes you want a grilled cheese sandwich. And this movie is grilled cheese in spades. It it is, it is, it's it's generic in the sense of satisfaction. Like it's like vanilla ice cream. It is like so satisfyingly uninspiring, but it just it just hits the spot. It just hits the spot. It is rated rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh Chris just and barely. Ryan. And, and and it has a bad audience score. That's what surprised me more. Like I wasn't surprised critics didn't like it. I was surprised audiences were kind of mixed on it. What was the audience score on it? It's like in the fifties or something. Like, it's oh, what? Not- so it's lower than the critics, even because critics no. is fifty eight percent. Critics no. are fifty eight percent. It's just barely rotten. Because if I mean, it was sixty, it would be fresh. It's fifty. So it's it's forty three critics, fifty eight audience. 
I looked at it backwards. They're trying to recapture some of the gladiator magic and it doesn't really mm-hmm. work. Right. But that doesn't mean there aren't sparks, in my opinion. Like that's that's kind of there are yeah. parts of it that are really good. Well what confuses me is is Ridley Scott knows what he's doing. Uh we have some several battle mm-hmm. scenes that could have been great, but like I mentioned before, the, the action is the, the cuts are so quick and the action is so claustrophobic and so up close that oftentimes you can't see who is who. You just see slashing and noise mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So it's I feel like he could have done better in the battles and like both the first scene, the first battle and the last battle could have been better. See, like I love, I love kingdom of heaven and this movie like takes me back to kingdom of heaven. Like so, in a way oh, what what's with that face. Kingdom of heaven seems like a really long and really bad movie. Get the whatever. fuck out of here. Like, Oh my God. Keep it, well, keep I'm it not heaven. Catholic. So I don't, think that it's aimed at me <laughs> well but like it's not even a catholic movie orlando bloom is like it's not uh, it's i haven't like, seen it since i was since it's like, it the most out, like a weird so like know. interfaith modern like, yeah it's got like an interfaith kind of like can't we all just you know get along yeah. like, oh like, i don't but also let's like i haven't seen i seriously have not seen it since it came out so i don't know i am uh, uh, maybe i need to rewatch it the director's cut you gotta watch the director the director's oh cut makes so much more sense like does it cut that whole speech <laughs> um, anyway back to robin hood what's interesting we should talk about what this movie was meant to be okay fight club sherwood forest so which is robin hood sherwood forest or not robin but gladiator sherwood forest because gladiator is basically kind of a fight club in rome not exactly like it's- well, they, they, they fight like there's one-on-one battles the, the 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 second the part of Fight Club people remember the identity shit. Oh, okay. I don't know about you guys. So Ryan, you and Thomas talked about how um, the uh, oh, the actor who played the sheriff of Nottingham was from your your show that you like, the Billions or whatever. Um, I felt like that. So the cast I felt was really good, except the sheriff of Nottingham. I felt like he was a yeah. zero. Like yeah. he like he was uh, like yeah. a, a terror- I stunned I stunned my wife because I said, oh, that's Mister Darcy. And she did not believe me. Um, No, that's Mr. Darcy from Kira Knightley, Pride and Prejudice. That's, oh, I thought you were going to say from something else. Uh, No, from, from, he's Tom from Succession. And Tom in Succession is a sniveling, like power hungry guy. And he is so good. (laughs) And that scene where he's He's also so good in Shaun of the Dead. I'm the sheriff of Nottingham. And then he's like, but I'm French. I'm French. I'm French. I'm (laughs) French. So you liked him in this movie. Okay. I, I felt like he, he didn't have much of a presence. Like, I don't yeah. know if I would have so, liked him if I didn't know from billions as being like a sniveling guy. I think he's fine. So I, I think that Daniel mentioned something earlier that really describes this movie. Uh, I think it was Daniel who, who talked about this as Ridley Scott uh, sort of wrote this as a prequel. Like he was really yeah, yeah. looking for a sequel and uh, I think you which can which is so interesting because he doesn't do sequels like Scott. I can't think of a single except for an sequel. aliens. Yeah, he did two, yeah, but he didn't covenant he did he didn't, a third, and, he, and I like both of them. So be careful here. But he didn't direct aliens. No, but he did Prometheus. And, he did and covenant, right? So, he did okay, Prometheus correct. and covenant. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. That's good point. So, but and those were better just, than the first one. Besides that, though. It is interesting because I don't I when I think of Ridley Scott, I don't think of him as a sequel guy. So 
the fact that he's writing this as a two-parter almost in his head is really kind of weird. But then is because it's 2010, is this the kind of like you have to pitch everything as a franchise early days? Mm. Are we starting to see that come out maybe? Yeah. Did it be a franchise to get made? I mean, you I mean, I, I wanted the payoff of seeing uh the great charter signed. My one of my fundamental problems with movies not exact this movie's not too bad on this because it does like rehash some of the traditional stuff. I think you have to go over the basics because what annoys me with like the like the most recent Robin Hood suffers from this incredibly, where it's like, oh, everybody knows the story of Robin Hood. The problem is everybody doesn't like right. that. Like, so mm. you can make you can like tell the traditional story of Robin Hood. But like have modern twists and like updates and stuff to it. Like one of the reasons why the Prince of Thieves works so well, yeah, it's it's hammy as hell, but it works because it's the original story in many ways. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great story. When this movie is pitched to you, if you watch the trailers, it's particularly bad. The 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 trailers for this movie sells you that you're getting the traditional story, but you're getting Russell Crowe as Robin Hood, you're getting Maid Marian as Kate Blanchett. It's like, oh, like awesome. Like that's I want to see that. But you don't you get enough of it, but you don't get the full thing. And I think the sequel would have been the traditional story, but because like Richard the Lionheart's dead and we've got the Magna Carta, it would have had enough like twists and stuff. So I, I can't I can't get around comparing this movie to King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Uh, you know, the movie that JVL oh really oh. loves. Are you oh. referring to Chav Arthur? The Charlie Hunnam? Yes. Oh, yes. so bad. The video off of the video game movie. Oh my god! But but I think in a way they're both trying to do similar things. Like no, they are trying to reinvent the no story. There are no fucking fetch quests in this. Like this movie doesn't have bosses to fight or anything like that. Like, also, a surprising lack of precogs in this in this one. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't any magic in this one either. Where it was, um, what was at the end of the. King Arthur one where he had to fight the giant snake, the, the giant snake. That's what it was. Yeah. I wish we'd I had forgot, a giant snake. In I this. forgot. How oh, I, movie is. Uh, I wish every movie had a giant snake. Right? <laughs> uh, all right. So we have already gone over time. Uh, one last Robin question Williams is a giant snake. We have already gone over time. Uh, Daniel, one last question for you. Uh, do this quick and then we can argue about it in afterglow. Please rank Russell Crowe movies. Okay, honorable mention. Most honorable mention goes to the nice guys, but top five, part, uh, number five, Beautiful Mind. Number four, Romper Stomper. Number three, American Gangster. Number two, LA Confidential. Number one, of course, Gladiator. You put number one as honorable mention. <laughs> It's crazy. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Daniel. <laughs> that is all for this week. Thank you for listening. You can catch us in Afterglow on Patreon. Yeah.